Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. All right. Let us, if we may, let's go to a, a verse of Scripture. Now, I wanted to, to get into something on Wednesday night, and it just totally went into a whole different direction. And, uh, and, uh, but I wanted you to see this, if you will. go. And I know you know these verses. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 11, and we're dealing with this in this, in this dynamic year. That I believe this with all my heart. And that's what makes me happy. Every day, it makes me happy. Great change is coming. Every day, I expect great change. And I expect great exchange. In order to do that, we're in this, in this year, we're taking every month to explain how to engage in that. And so, and then every week, we stay with that subject matter, and we're dealing now with great friendships develop great change. And, I, and, and so, because of that, there's, there's a, 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 and I've, I've, for years, I've made this statement, you show me your friends, and I'll tell you what you think about yourself. Your, um, uh, who you associate with is a great revelation of your journey in life and where you'll head up. And, uh, and uh, you don't need a lot of friends. Uh, you, uh, uh, you don't need it. And, and also, uh, we've moved that over to, uh, with modern technology, we call it uh, followed. I got a bunch of followers. Well, in order to be a follower, do you really qualify as a leader if you're taking pictures of what you eat? Your dog licking something, that, is that really uh, qualify you as a leader? Um, huh? The, the, I mean, your toe, you know, with uh, fungus and you're at the, the, at the hospital, they're getting about ready to do something with my toes. Does that make you a leader? There's, it's amazing what people will follow. It's amazing what people will do. It's amazing the kind of stuff that, that goes on. So, but the, scripturally now, we are, listen to this term I'm about ready to give you. In order to have great relationships, to create great change, you must always be covenant-minded. Right. We are covenant people with a covenant-keeping God who made covenant with us. Through Abraham, we are recipients of the covenant that God made with Abraham. And by making that covenant with Abraham, we're about to read it in here, everything we do is a covenant. So we're, we, are, we, we have to recognize covenant in what we do. And, uh, and so let's look at this, but I want you to... Uh, the reason I'm going over, I want to read into chapter 12, but I want you to read verse uh, chapter 11 with me, and let's read verse 31, and it says this. Now, and you'll read that, uh, and, and Terah, which is actually Abram's father, took Abram his son, 
Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. And Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur to Chaldees to go... Now watch this. Listen close to this statement. To go to the land of Canaan. So, question, where were they going? That was a whisper. Where where, does... They were going to Canaan. Amen. We used to sing a song growing up. I'm going where the rivers are flowing. I'm going where the grapes are growing. I'm going, I'm going to Canaan's land. Anybody ever hear that song? One. Okay. Joanne, all right. Now, the, the thing about that is, is that Canaan land is really not the, really the promised land. It is not our, our goal. Our goal is to get, is get to heaven, live in heaven, experience heaven. Right. It's a spiritual thing. But for them, they had, he was leaving. To where, so once again, where was he going? Canaan. Canaan. Thank you. Thank you. So I want you to keep that in mind because listen to this. And, uh, and they came to the land of Haran and dwelt there. Wait, 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 wait. Weren't they going to Canaan? Then why did they stop somewhere else and live there? Most people never get where they want to go. And they stop somewhere else because it's, it's it, it appears to be more appealing, comfortable. It's easier. I'm here. Do you ever drive down a road and see a sign that says, you could live here. You'd be home. Well, I don't want to live there. and I don't call that home. So I'm still going. But there are signs that say, yeah, you, you know, you could, this could be your home, driving by, a sign. Well, that's what sometimes friendships do. Where they're living, where they're going, they want you to go, and they're calling that home to you. And if you, li- and if you, if you don't know where you're going, then you'll let anybody influence you to get somewhere. You need to know who you are, because if you don't know who you are, then you'll accept the identity of others. If you don't know what Jesus has called you, you'll accept any name anybody else has called you. So we've got to recognize that. So he came, he came and his goal was to go to Haran, but he dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So he died. Listen to this. He spent 205 years living in a place he was never intended to go. Now, I'm not looking... At any, I'm looking at the ceiling right now. There are some that are going places they never intended to be, and you could stay there and be content, but never arrive where you're supposed to be. And why? Because of who's with you. Because of who's with you. Other people can change your plans. I have GPS and JPS. Now we're going to get there, but Joanne's got other directions. And I may be going one direction, and Joanne is a, uh, she discovers new ways to get places. 
And so, and, and in most, I would say about 90% of the time, it's shorter, it's without traffic, it's easier. And so since she's discovered it, she's like Columbus, she's discovered a new route. <laughs> so she'll go this way. I know if I go this way, I'm going to get there, and my GPS is giving me another direction. But Joanne, the JPS... There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and Joanne. And so, uh, so, uh, so with that, she'll tell me, go this way. And I'll go that way. We'll get there, and it's a lot easier, the, the way that, by which. But she'll tell me, give me a direction. But what she has never done has led me astray. And her purpose for giving me another direction is not necessarily to make it shorter but to make it easier for me while I'm driving. And so when she does that, I get frustrated sometimes. I know I'm the only man that will admit that. So I'm raising my hand for all the men that are, that are looking straight ahead and won't nod. They're going, okay, so I'm saying it for you. If you're married, you know, on a date they won't do that. It's not till you're married. <laughs> now, but, but, but great friends will give you, help you, promote you on your journey of life of where you're going. Now, now verse 1 says in verse chapter 12, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house under land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And I will bless and, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and uh, thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you, and in, and in these all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families shall be blessed. But he told him something. You can't take everybody with you. So if you're going to go somewhere, sometimes it's not that they're bad people. It's just that they can't go on the journey with you. See, in order for me to have been married, I not only needed to get married and say yes to Joanne, the moment we were engaged, I, I no longer started acting single. God, I thought I'd get an amen, like a big a, amen. You get an amen for me, right? Yeah, you do, yeah. Yeah, you know what it's like. Well, when you when you do that, I mean, when, when you do that, and you all, you're not single anymore, you don't go and talk like you're single. You don't flirt. Amen. You're engaged. You're dating. So you don't kiss other girls. You don't kiss other boys. Kissing is upstairs shopping for downstairs merchandise. Now come over here. 
So you don't do that. You got quiet and you're staring at me. Like you don't know what I'm talking about. So, so, so I have to start acting like I'm married. Then we got engaged. Didn't change. I'm engaged. Amen. You know that I'm, t- I'm 66 years old. I've never been in a club. I don't have no idea what clubs look like. I've never been in a bar. Because when I was 21, I was saved. So I never, I never, I've never been in a bar. I've never been in a club. I have, I have, so when people say we go clubbing or whatever term they use, I don't know what that means. I have, I have no idea what they mean by that because I've never been in a club. I've never been in a bar. I don't, I've, uh, I've, I don't know. I have no idea what whiskey tastes like. I never had it. I have no idea what vodka tastes. I never had it. I never. I don't have any clue. See, when I got saved, I, I got saved, and so anything that didn't apply to my salvation, I had nothing to do with it. Amen. So therefore, Joanne never had to be concerned about where where am where is he? And, she, and so sometimes Pastor would call me and say, "Hey, I need some help." And Joanne would say, "Go with Pastor." And sometimes there would be uh, wives who would get mad at their husbands for serving in the ministry. She'd say, "Would you rather have them in a bar? Would you rather have them running the streets or hanging out on the corner? Where would you rather have them with Pastor, or?" Unless your pastor is at the bar, but then then you don't want to do that. And some pastors do do that. You know, they have sipping saints. And so, uh, so with this, he made he made the statement unto here. He said, so this is covenant relationship. So so he's dealing with the fact God just told him, I'm going to bless the whole earth, the whole world is going to be blessed in you. But you can't take everybody with you. It doesn't mean they're bad people. You just can't take them with you. Now, if you know they're bad, obviously, you can't go with me. All right, now, Psalm 119, verse 63 makes a statement. Let's look at this. Psalm 119, verse 63. It makes a statement in regards to our relationship. We're developing a family and, and friends and their relationships. So this is important. So uh, today, our, uh, many people, especially children, they'll make the statement. Um, uh, Joel did that several several times. I say, where are you going? He goes, with some friends. Well, who are they? You don't know them. Oh, well then. And so he would say, and me telling you their name doesn't mean you know them. I said, well, then bring them over here before you leave. Because I want to know who you're going with. Amen. So it's important that you understand that. And, and they'll try to pull stuff on you. Brent woke up one time and I was praying and reading. And he goes, Dad, you look really tired. You should go to bed. <laughs> and so I, so I looked at him. He had never told me that before. Major clue. So he, he said, Dad, you should go to bed. You look real tired. Put your Bible down. You've been studying a lot. Go to bed. I go, okay, thank you, son. I appreciate you taking an interest in me. And so I go, I, I, I'll take that into consideration. He went back to bed. He comes back and he goes, oh, Dad, you're still studying? Dad, it's so late. You should get ready to 
you really, you know, you should go to bed. So I, I said, okay. So I turned the light off and I sat there. And Brent comes walking back through that room. That was, we lived in another city and we walked out and he was, you know, he was a, we were, no, we weren't going far. We were in Norwalk. Norwalk. This is this way back. And so, uh, um, so, so uh, in order to go out the back door, he had to go through the room I was sitting in. So I was sitting there. So, so this is why he wanted me. He was going out the back sliding door and he went to open the door and I go, uh, so where are you going? He goes, uh, I, was, I heard some noise. I go, yeah. So I opened up, so, so I, I opened up, you know, so I, I opened up, I opened up the sliding door and I go, and he had a really good friend named Ricky. And so I opened up the sliding door, Ricky, I know you're on the other side of the fence. He, and he didn't say, he, he, I couldn't see him. He just goes, uh, yes, Mr. Aragon, I'm here. And I said, yeah, I know. Ricky, go home. He's not coming out. Okay, Mr. Aragon. And he, I, I hear the bushes. I hear the bushes, and I hear him running home. I go, Brent, go back to bed. He goes, how do you know? I said, because I was you. I did this. I did this. See, so... In church, as a pastor, I know you. I did this. I, was, I sat in the pew. I was an usher. I did work the children's department. Joanne and I both worked the children's department. We both did the accounting. Uh, we both, at one time, led praise and worship for special meetings. Because we couldn't get anybody to help. So we did it. We showed, we showed evangelistic films. We went on our own. You guys have a team. You're called Ruckus. We were the only ones that called, caused a ruckus. It was just her and me. We'd go get our print, print our, and we'd Xerox. We'd have to mimeograph, roll them out. And, and roll, we'd, how many remember those? Okay, go to a museum. You have to, you have to roll them out like this. And, and then you'd, you'd print them. And then Joanne and I were by ourselves walking the streets passing flyers, inviting them to the church. When we were at the church that we went to, we had 90 people at the church that we attended. Uh, by the time our pastor resigned, we had over 300 members. And it was because we started the evangelistic group. And it started like nothing. It was just us showing movies. We would rent the video. We never turned a receipt in. We paid ourselves. And back then, it was a reel-to-reel. You put it in the center, and a projector came across. And if the film came off, you had to hold up a minute. Joanne had to go sing while I'm fixing it. And then put the thing back on. And that's what we had to do. We did, we did that. Why? Because we loved our pastor. Because we loved people. And we had an opportunity to slap a lot of people, but we never took it. Because people say, I don't like that film you showed. Well, don't show up. You didn't pay for it. You didn't help. You didn't do anything. It's too loud. Well, plug your ears up or go sit outside or go do something. I mean, they found complaints, but we were winning the lost. We were helping. I was, I was the one who, I was the janitor. I was the gardener. I did all that. And I did it for the congregation. I smiled every time they walked in the door. 
Sometimes in here, not in here, but here, I'm like, hit you. I love you, but I want to hit you. Because they wouldn't help. They wouldn't help. We did. So I know, I know you. I've been there. I've been there. What I never wanted to do is go back to drugs. What I never wanted to do is backslide. I never backslid. I never backslid. I've had a lot of opportunities. Never wanted to. Never wanted to. A lot of times wanted to resign from pastoring and sit in the back of a church like a lot of people do. And just I'll just sit there. Nobody will know me. I'll just go to a church where nobody knows me and I'll just sit down and just sit. And then I knew me. You quit what you do, but you can't quit who you are. So watch this. Psalm 119, verse 16. Says, I am a confession of faith. I am. This is what he said. I'm a companion of all them that fear you and of them that keep your precepts. Wow, isn't that wild? Now, now this is important that we understand this. This is why, listen to your pastor uh, very closely, because I believe this statement. Uh, a minister of the gospel by the name of A.W. Tozer made this statement. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. If all you do is preach half the gospel, you, you don't have a Christian. If you don't preach any of the gospel and just give testimonies and stories, you have no, you have no Christian. You have to preach the whole Bible. And the Bible is love. It's mercy. It's also correction. Amen? It also brings about some things. You just can't float around. You can't be spiritual vagabonds. Amen? You're not the potting of the Lord. You're the planting of the Lord. And when you're the plants uh, of the Lord, when you're the plant of the Lord, I've used this illustration many times. When we lived in the Cresta and we had this tree in the background and in our backyard, it was such a big tree. And, uh, and, uh, and it, it was humongous. This tree was massive. And so, but I knew that, that I could not cut it down, at least but not by myself, and I knew I needed somebody. So uh, I went and I asked the uh, ranger from where we, where we were at, because we lived out, out, and, uh, out, out, and there was a ranger station there. So I said, can I cut this tree down? I had a picture of it. He was, oh, absolutely not. I said, why? And he goes, because that tree predates Columbus. And it is safe. You can't... I said, but the, le- the, the limbs are falling. He said, so? He, and so he came out and they brought somebody out and they checked it and they go, the tree's dying. I go, oh, how much long does it have? I mean, when they say it's dying and the, you see... Now, when I'm talking about uh, a limb would fall, I'm not talking about you know this. No, I'm talking about a limb that probably could have taken half the house down. It fell. It felt like an earthquake. John said, "We had an earthquake. It wasn't the the limb broke off, came through and fell out. And the limb from the tree probably went probably went from that wall all the way to where the the, the thing is. And and then it was it stood probably about 15 foot high in all the tree. All the they had to cut that. They had to bring somebody in to cut that whole thing down." And I said, tell the guy, how much longer does it have to live? He goes, 250 to 350 years. <laughs> it, it predates Columbus, and the thing's going to live longer than me. <laughs> Columbus came, left. Somebody else came and left. I mean, uh, who knows? And that tree's going to be there. It's dying 300, 200 to 300 years later it's going to die. Before it just all goes over. Isn't that wild? 
Okay, so you may have a challenge, but you're going to outlive your challenge. You're going to outlive it. Because if you're the planting of the Lord, the difference is most Christians, not in this room at all, but there are some people that are the potting of the Lord. You can slide a pot over. You can move a pot from one room to the other. You can take the, the, the plastic out of it, move the pot if it dies because you don't water it, and put another pot in there, make it look real. We live we know, on the property that I'm talking about, the tree. I got tired of all the, 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 the everything dying. I went and bought all top-notch plastic flowers. <laughs> Gutted the front, and I put plastic flowers all through the front of the house, all by my barn, all through the front around the waterfall that we had, everything. And it, though those things were beautiful during the summer, every season. And people would come by and they'd look at that. How does he, what is he using to keep these flowers looking so beautiful? Because they were fake. And they would, people would stop over and they would say, how, how is it? That, that you, what are you using? What kind of, what, what kind of fertilizer? Who, who, how do you keep these alive? And I said, well, uh, they're fake. They go, what? I go, they're all fake. I got tired of planting and planting and planting, so I just started just paying up and just planting. Just that's it. Walk away. And you know what it does? Keeps bugs out too, because bugs aren't. They know it's fake. I ain't going over there. Guy rip, ripping us off. I fly all the way over here. What? This thing's fake. I can't eat off of this. Worms can't eat off of it. Rats can't eat off of it. No. What is that? They couldn't do that. I did that specifically for that. There's some people that put on fake smiles. They know one verse and hey, I'm, and they act big and tall. And so, so we've got to realize that when, when he did this, so nothing less than the whole gospel. If you really want to grow, you need the whole gospel. That also means you need correction. It means you need instruction. It means you need help. The Bible just specifically says this. In John's gospel, chapter 4, mentions about a woman that came to a well. And Jesus ministered to the woman, and she ran back to the town, and she told, Look, come see the man who told me everything about myself. By that time period, the disciples come back, and they went and got food, brought it back. They brought burritos. They had carne asada and burritos with rice and beans, and they all came back. His name was Jesus. Come on, what do you think about it? So he came back, and so they came back, and they came, and when they did that, he wasn't hungry. And they said, well, you haven't eaten. And here's what he said. I have meat to eat you know not of. He hadn't eaten. His meat, he says, is to do the will of God. So the real meat is doing the will of God. So when you hear people say, I really want meat, what they're basically saying is, I'm not active. They're exposing themselves by that definition. The real meat is the action, the doing part. The activity in the gospel. Of what you know to do, you're actually doing it to such a degree you're satisfied. You're content because you're actually living the truth out. You're walking your righteousness out. You're walking by faith. You're seeing results out of your own personal life. So that when you come to church, you're not bored. Amen. 
I told Joanne, what, what we, I think I wrote it down in my notes. You don't need a friend to make you happy. But you definitely don't need a friend that always makes you sad. If somebody's always taking from you, taxing you, and draining you, that's not the kind of friend you want. However, you don't look for people to make you happy. Because if you don't love you already, you'll hurt somebody. Now, uh, so not, now, now think about this for just a moment. Uh, and I made this statement the other, other day. If 100 religious people uh, uh, came together in, into unity because of an organized program, most would call this the church. So we get 100 people that come together over an organized program. However, it would, be, it would just be like saying the church is like 11 dead men on a football team. You can dress them up, put them in, a, put them in, the, in, in the gear, helmet, and everything else. But if they're dead, see, religion's dead. So some people like to have programs. I want to be a part of that program. I want to be a part of that program. I want to be a part of that program. Why don't we put on Christ and then walk in love and programs are birthed out of our passion Amen. instead of forcing programs to be them. Man, when, Joanne and I, when Joanne and I got married, our pastor's wife played the piano. So I wanted Joanne to play piano because pastor's wife played piano. So I had Joanne take piano lessons. She was a wonderful woman and a wonderful wife, and she wanted to make her husband happy, so she took piano lessons. Have you ever seen her play a piano? Have you ever heard her play a piano? Because she never learned how to play a piano, even though she had lessons. She didn't want it. She hated the piano. So for her, personally. She was doing it for me. She wasn't doing it as a Lord. She just wanted, if, if this is what it takes to be a pastor's wife, so finally I sat down with her and I said, the only thing you, are, you need to do is be my wife. You're not the wife to the congregation. See, if, if anybody's going to leave, it's going to be everybody else before her. I'm a oneness preacher. One. One God, one Father, one Son, one Holy Ghost, one wife. One family, born out of one relationship. Amen? So, so she's, she, listen, she's not married to you, so she's not the church wife. Amen? Where Joanne's supposed to do everything. She didn't have to do anything. Well, I thought every wife, pastor's wife is supposed to have a woman's ministry. Who told you that? Who, who told you that? Well, you're supposed to have all these programs. Who told you that? Do you know that nowhere in Scripture can you find, other than the fact that his children came to Jesus, that Jesus said, okay, disciples, I want you to start a children's program. And I want you to write somebody to document everything, put it together, and let's get some toys out here and let's do all this. No, no, no. Everybody was together. Isn't that powerful that when Jesus spoke, the children were present and uh, everybody could hear? And children were running across the throwing rocks at each other. Jesus didn't accidentally have to dodge rocks. Says, What's going on? You know? Well, it's little Zach over there throwing a little Malachi, uh, and they're throwing rocks at each other. They, they never did that. Children were uh, disciplined. So when they heard, they sat and listened. See, most parents, they don't. Here, here's, a, here's a device. Just listen to that. And that's how they sit. Here's a device. They're not listening, they're not educating, they're not talking to them. They don't talk. They don't look in their eyes and talk to them. 
I'm, this is awesome. It's important, now watch this, it's important that our family and friends know who we are. Do your friends know who you are? Do your friends know who you are? Do they know what you believe? Do your friends know what you believe? Uh, do they understand your belief system? See, if, if, you, if you like somebody, you're going to date them, you better, the first thing you got to tell them is, I'm a Christian. And I love Jesus Christ. I just don't love church. I love Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh, I, I, Googled, I Googled this. I don't know this because I've never been on one. Never will. But I went on, and last year, 760 brand new dating sites opened up. Last year. Dating sites. Last year. 2018 and 19. Because, you know, between that time period. And it was interesting that they said that 20% of the relationships that lasted came from the sites. And they said, but they didn't give the full stats. But then they said that 60% of the relationships that lasted lasted because they were introduced by friends. So that means somebody introduced them. So, so that means personal contact. Somebody you know said, I know somebody who would be good for you. And they're not psycho. Their name is really them. They don't have a fake ID. They've never been in prison for multiple times, for multiple crimes. Are you with me? A real friend would say, no, 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 you don't want him to go with him. I know she's good looking. I know he's good looking. <laughs> no. I apologize. You saw them. You, you, you and I have got to realize that relationships, for, listen to me, friends can bring you to church and friends can take you out. And so, uh, it's important to know who your family and friends are. You got to know that. You got you to know that. Joanne and I, we, you know, we're we're strict with this. You know, she made reference of it. We're having a family reunion for her side of the family, so we already let everybody know because everybody wants to have it at our house. So, okay, we'll have it at our house. But she, we already, she didn't have to ask me, but she already knows me, so she already set the ground rules. There will be no alcohol here at all. There's no alcohol. No smoking. Of any kind, of anything, <laughs> front or backyard, down by the street, in a van, down by the river. <laughs> no, none of that. We're not doing any of that at all. We don't do that. We don't do that because I live in the neighborhood. They all know we're Christians. They all know that we're pastors. I used the illustration the other day that. I made a phone call and I called American Airlines because we were planning a trip. And so when I called on the airlines and I was talking to the lady, uh, then after, and I was, and three times I told her, thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for your taking the time with me and investigating all the little, little changes I'm making here and there. Thank you. I appreciate it. When I went to hang up, she threw this in. She goes, God bless you. I'm a Christian too. Now I never said I was a Christian. I didn't ask for a Christian airline. A Christian seat, 
I didn't. So how I, well, it's in my file that I'm a pastor. So, so good thing I wasn't with a different personality stating to her, I want this sheet. What's going on with you? Woman, listen to me. Woman, listen. I mean, I could have went off, but a lot of people do. You have no idea who knows you. You have no, no idea. I walked into Walmart the other day. Uh, well, back I went into Walmart. I have a picture of them. They walked into Walmart. They go, hey, Pastor Hart, you're in Walmart? <laughs> and they go, and, and you're not wearing a suit. <laughs> Someone came to my house one day, years, years back, and they came and they, it was summer. It was hot. During the, it was a Saturday. It was hot. And and, uh, and that day, I'm at my house, Jan and I are at home, and, and I knock on the door. There was a knock on the door. I open up the door. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. And the person who was at the other side of the door that knocked, open, I opened up the door, and they went like this. <laughs> You're barefooted. <laughs> and I said... I usually am when I don't have <laughs> shoes and socks on. They go, yeah, but I've never seen you barefoot. I go, well, I'm not going to go barefooted to church. They go, and you're not in a suit. You have a T-shirt? And you're in shorts? See, people have a misconception because they, they think, you know. And so, but people people don't see that. Sometimes I, I, I like fun. I don't swim in a suit. I have a pool. I don't go swimming. I'm going to go put my three-piece on and be like Aquaman. But people have a misconception. Here's the message translation of Psalm 119.63. I'm a friend and a companion of all who fear you. Now listen to the next part of this. Who are committed to living by your rules. Your rules. I'm committed to living by your rules. So those are the companions I'm with. And just spend time long enough and you'll see if they live by the rules. Relationships connect you to your past or to your future. Every relationship connects you to your past or to your future. Every relationships are based on passion, pursuits, and pleasure. Passion, pursuit, and pleasure. Relationships will expose your weakness as well as your, your, your strengths. So when you engage in friendships and in, when you start to, uh, to date, I don't use the word mate in, in spousal relationships. That's just me, because I'm a word man. The word mate is identified in the animal kingdom. Not every animal stays with who they mate. It's procreation, and then they leave. Spouses should not procreate and leave. My job's done here. I'm out of here. And so tragically today, we have so many women... That are, that are without their husbands having to raise their children and the guys are married again and again and have children and have children and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, 
How do you do that? How, how do you do that? For all of you that are single mothers, I salute you. I salute you. I don't know the reason and the rationale behind everything. I don't. But for those of you that bring your children to church and they're in the children's department or the teen, and you're working hard, you're, you're working a job, you're, you're doing what, and, and, and then you have to deal with your child. Man, I, it's, it was, I appreciate Joanne. I appreciate jo- Joanne. Uh, she was a, she's an, a, has been an awesome wife as well as a mother and still is. Still is. I mean, she still buys these guys gifts and stuff. But Brent didn't get a Valentine's Day card. Not this time. He goes, hey, where's mine? He goes, ah, your side now. And so she goes, now that Elena's in the picture, she gets it and, and, Brent, and Todd still gets his, but you're out of the picture. I said, so I told him, I, we were on speaker, but I said, hey, Todd, Brent, it's okay. I didn't get anything either. So... <clears throat> But, but, here, but the thing about it is, is, the, is the, the power moments, the doing stuff, friendship, it's intimacy. So when you become a friend with somebody, you have, see, I've, I've met a lot of people. And every picture that you ever see of Joanne and I showing you, we're friends with those. Now, see, I knew, I, I met and knew John Osteen. I've never met Joel Osteen. But I knew John Osteen before he passed through the father. But I didn't, and, I, and unfortunately, I don't have a picture with him. I wish I did, but I don't. But I never met Joel Osteen. I see him on TV, don't know who he is. Even when I met his father, I didn't know who he was. There's a lot of people that, we've, that I met. Some I met, and they're acquaintances. Just because you meet somebody, don't call them your friend. I have a new friend. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have a new friend. You met somebody. A friend is somebody that you're taking the time to invest your time with. Your quality of time. Your effort. Who you are. The value of who you are. When you let somebody into your house and you have children, you're exposing your children to them. So you must be able to endorse who they are. Because if your children hear them or see them doing something then you're endorsing that. So this is very important, who you endorse. So you've got to know that. So then if somebody knows you and you're going through something, they've got to be able to handle that. They've got to be able to handle your weak moments as well as your strong moments. Amen. Now, last statement is this. You could be, this, is, this is very important. You could be the right person who's associating with the wrong person or people and get the same results as if you were wrong. If you become a friend and you're right, but how they live is wrong, you could get the same results as if you were wrong. You could, you could get into a vehicle, somebody pull up, you get into the vehicle, and then drive one mile and they get pulled over by the police and find illegal weapons in the car or illegal drugs, and since you're in the car, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be arrested with them. And it doesn't matter if you say, I was just picked up. We don't know that. We don't know that. Are, are you understanding? Well, so, so the same thing is true spiritually. 
If you associate with people that don't pray, you eventually won't. If you associate with people that pray, you will. If you associate with people that love the Word of God, you will love the Word of God. If you associate with people that don't love the Word of God, you won't love the Word of God. If you, if you associate with people that are addicted to Christ, the anointing, their passion is Jesus Christ, then it's going to be hard for you to, to not be passionate with Christ. It just has reason. If, if you love your pastor, then you can associate with people who love your pastor. If you don't love your pastor, if you can take him or leave him, so will others. Amen. This is important that we understand this. I always told my boys, when, you, when, I, when we get older, when you get older, you will always take care of your mother. Always take care of your mother. You will never raise your voice to your mother. Ever. Ever raise your voice to her. Not now or not when you're older. So sometimes when they get a little frustrated with her, they'll look at me and they go, Dad. And I know what they mean. Can you handle something here? Because we're not, we're not going to say something. But that's rare that they do that. That's very rare that they do that. And they'll, they'll because that, because she's such a wonderful woman and such a wonderful wife. And, such a, and she pours herself into thought about them. She thinks about them often. She's constantly text messaging them, constantly reaching out to them, constantly involved with their lives. So they don't have issues with, with, them, with them. I don't know if they have any with me because they don't. Like Brent said, if I say something to my dad, he may talk to me for three hours. I don't want to do that. I'd rather, I'd rather just not be angry, just let it go. Dad will tell me three hours why, what, when, why. Why do you feel that way? What's going on? How long has it been happening? So and I, I am that way. So he, he, I was listening to a tape the other day. He goes, "My dad is 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 a great father, always has been. But if you don't want to ask, if you don't want to spend two hours answering a question, don't ask him one. Please don't ask him." You remember that we were in in, uh, in Texas, uh, where we were at uh, Taos, New Mexico, and all the men were there. We had a men's fellowship, and and I was teaching, and I taught for almost three hours. The guys were hungry. The food we ate gave everybody diarrhea. And so everybody's sitting there, and I'm teaching. I don't know this. Everybody's going. <sighs> and then I go, does anybody have any questions? And so we look around and go, don't ask any questions. <laughs> you remember that, Ed? <laughs> Ed was one of them. <laughs> and then as soon as I said, all right, well, we'll meet tomorrow. I didn't even get a chance to dismiss. Everybody ran out the door. They all headed for their cabins. I mean, it was just, it was... <laughs> That was an interesting trip, wasn't it? Isn't that where you... Well, never mind, we won't get into that. Uh, you should have been on the trip. It was, it was a wonderful experience. Um, if we live in the covenant, then we will uh, be covenant-minded. Let me, let me share this with you. This is, if, 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 if you are single and you have friends then you should be covenant-minded. And you have to ask yourself, are you somebody I'm supposed to win to the Lord? Are you, supposed, are you somebody I'm supposed to help in the Lord, but not necessarily be close to? You've got to ask yourself, because I'm a covenant man. 
and you can check their life and, and understand where they're coming from. You gotta guard yourself. You gotta watch who who's there. You got you gotta watch everything. I, I'm I may be too strict, but I'm okay. Joanne shared the story about her brother that was on my on our phone, landline, princess phone, the, the little blue one, and she was he was on the phone. And what he was doing was actually um, cheating the government with the tax shelter, which wasn't a shelter, doing some stuff. And I walked. Joanne told me she was. He's on the phone making a shady deal. I walked in, grabbed the phone out of his hand, and I said, this deal's not going through, not on this phone. I hung up. Turned around, looked at him. I said, do you know that my God has supplied all my need enough to pay this bill? And you're on my phone living in my home. You will not lie on my phone. You will not lie in this home. You will not do it. You won't do it. I'll go further than that. My dad had a situation one time, I won't get all the details, but he left my mother. And he ended up sleeping in his truck in front of my house. Joran woke up and said, dad, your dad's outside. He's asleep in the truck. I walked outside. I said, Dad, what are you doing out here? I knew he left. My mother told me. So... And I remember leading my mother to the Lord in the in Norwalk on the little on on on, uh, on Firestone Boulevard, in the little building, and it was raining that day. And she said, "Pray that your dad come home." I said, "No, I'm going to pray that both of you get saved. Because if he if he left and and the situation going on, both of you need Christ. Mom, you need Jesus Christ." She was she got on her knees. She goes, "Then lead me to Christ." Led her to Jesus Christ. Two weeks later, we took her to a Kenneth Hagin camp meeting. There was, uh, he, there was just a few times there at the convention center. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the man, the usher, I mean, excuse me, the counselor told her this. Uh, uh, your husband left you. And he said, and, it, and tonight he's coming home, before, right before midnight. And God is going to arrest him and bring him home. So we're sitting there. She's in the front seat, and uh, we had a Buick Regal at the time. She's sitting in the front, and I said, Mom, do you want to go to Denny's? She goes, no. I'm going home. I'm making your dad his favorite meal, and I'm putting on his favorite dress. I said, why? She goes, because I was told by the Spirit of God, not a, not a counselor, the Spirit of God, that, dad, you, that, your, that my husband's coming home. She didn't say my dad. She said my husband's coming home. The guy didn't know her. So she went home, made dinner put her dress on, and waited for him. 11.55, uh, and the knock on the door. Now, what happened earlier was an angel showed up and smacked him and knocked him off his bed and threw him across the room. Angel did that. But here's the, here's the scenario. When he was outside, he came in. I said, Dad, you can stay in her home. Have a seat. Uh, come to bed. In the morning, he got up. Joanne would go into work. I, you know, and I, uh, so we were there, and she made breakfast. So I woke my dad up. I said, Dad, uh, um, you want breakfast? Said, yeah, I go, okay, I want to set some ground rules down here in my house. There'll be no drinking here. You're not going to get any calls from any women. Or you're not calling any women from this house. The door locks at 10 o'clock. If you're not here, you stay outside. Go back to your truck. We watch TBN. We don't watch all that other stuff. So you're going to watch what we watch, or you don't watch TV at all. You will never yell at my wife, and my wife is not your maid, and she's not your cook, and she, she's my wife. 
So when we eat, this is not a restaurant. So you come and eat. If you don't want to eat, then eat it cold. I didn't kick you out of your house. You left. Now you're here. I love you. You're my dad. But now you live by my rules. This is my covenant home. Stay two days. Was I disappointed? No, I set the rules. And I set the rules to such a way an angel intervened, God intervened, got him born again, and then he ended up calling us, and Joanne and I went, and my father let, uh, took me outside of his house and said, let me uh, accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. My whole family's born again now. But it started right there with my mother getting born again. So you've got to stick to your convictions. You've got to stay covenant-minded because you don't know who's on the other end a year down the road. And so, so, so some of you, you look at me and you think, I never went through anything. I went through a situation where there was a broken home. I went through a situation where my dad left. I went through a situation where I could have hated him. That feeling came up. I wanted to go hunt him down. Why did you leave mom? I, wa- I wanted to. I wanted to go look for him. I'm a son. I'm a man. He taught me to be a man. And this is what you taught me. You said, man, don't run. And you ran. You lied. Are you with me? And, I, and I'm a new Christian. So we go through emotions. You've got to capture them. And bring them in and do what's scripturally right to reach people. But you still got to stay committed. See, some of you are enablers. See, the Holy Ghost is your enabler, and then you've took his job, and you become the enabler. And it doesn't work. It backfires. It keeps him in the flesh. When the Holy Ghost enables you, he builds you up. It takes you out of your flesh, puts you in the arena of faith, and then lets you accomplish stuff. Do you know what it takes to be a real friend? I'll tell you next service. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you. We give you glory. We thank you that you're the most high God. There's nobody like you at all. You are supreme. You, you, are, you are given the definition as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's who you are, Jesus. Father, you are the everlasting and the most high. You are all-powerful, omnipotent. And we declare, Holy Spirit, you are the greatest teacher there is, the standby, the enabler, our advocate, our attorney. We thank you for all that you do in our life. And, Father, reveal to us who we are in a greater dimension so that we can accurately, scripturally, not judgmentally, but with compassion and with passion and with respect and mercifully look around us and see those around us, do they qualify to be in our life? It doesn't make us better than them or them worse or better. We just need to qualify our future. And are they part of our destiny? In Jesus' name. Praise God. Every head bowed, eye closed. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, or if you have and you walked away,
You became cold, calloused, indifferent. You stopped reading your Bible. You stopped praying. You stopped seeking the face of God. You know uh, God loves you. You know God cares about you. Something got in the way. Hurt, disillusioned, disappointed. It could have been a, a scenario uh, with a relationship. It could have been a, even a pastor could have been a church could have been you. A work, a family member. Don't run from God because of that. Run to God. Don't be distant. If you say, Pastor, I pray for me, I want to either give my life or rededicate my life to the Lord. Could I see your hand? Is there anybody at all? Anyone? You know where your relationship is. All right. Praise God. We take it that every person in here is born again. Turn around and tell somebody, saying, thank God I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. And I'm free in Jesus' name. Anybody ever hear that song? One. Okay. Joanne, all right. Now, the, the thing about that is, is that Canaan land is really not the, really the promised land. It is not our, our goal. Our goal is to get, is get to heaven, live in heaven, experience heaven. That's a spiritual thing. But for them, they had, he was leaving. To where, so once again, where was he going? Canaan, thank you, thank you. So I want you to keep that in mind, because listen to this. And, uh, and they came to the land of Haran and dwelt there. Wait, 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 wait. Weren't they going to Canaan? Then why did they stop somewhere else and live there? Most people never get where they want to go. And they stop somewhere else because it's, it's it, it appears to be more appealing, comfortable. It's easier. I'm here. Do you ever drive down a road and see a sign that says, you could live here. You'd be home. Well, I don't want to live there, and I don't call that home. So I'm still going. But there are signs that say, you, you, you know, you could, this could be your home. Driving by. A sign. Well, that's what sometimes friendships do. Where they're living, where they're going, they want you to go, and they're calling that home to you. And if you, li- and if you if you don't know where you're going, then you'll let anybody influencing you to get somewhere. You need to know who you are, because if you don't know who you are, then you'll accept the identity of others. If you don't know what Jesus has called you, you'll accept any name anybody else has called you. So we've got to recognize that. So he came, he came and his goal was to go to Haran, but he dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So he died, listen to this, he spent 205 years living in a place he was never intended to go. Now I'm not looking at anybody, I'm looking at the ceiling right now. There are some that are going places they never intended to be, and you could stay there and be content, but never arrive where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and why? Because of who's with you. 
because of who's with you. Other people can change your plans. I have GPS and JPS. Now we're going to get there, but Joanne's got other directions. And I may be going one direction, and Joanne is a, uh, she discovers new ways to get places. And so, and, and in most, I would say about 90% of the time, it's shorter, it's without traffic, it's easier. And so since she's discovered it, she's like Columbus, she's discovered a new route. <laughs> so she go this way. I know if I go this way, I'm going to get there. And my GPS has given me another direction. But Joanne, the JPS, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and Joanne. And so, uh, so, uh, so with that, she'll tell me, go this way. And I'll go that way. We'll get there. And it's a lot easier, the, the way that, by which, but she'll tell me, give me a direction. But what she has never done has led me astray. And her purpose for giving me another direction is not necessarily to make it shorter, but to make it easier for me while I'm driving. And so when she does that, I get frustrated sometimes. I know I'm the only man that will admit that. So I'm raising my hand for all the men that are... That are looking straight ahead and won't nod. They're going, okay, so I'm saying it for you. If you're married, you know, on a date, they won't do that. It's not till you're married. Now, but, but, but great friends will give you, help you promote you on your journey of life of where you're going. Now, now verse 1 says in verse chapter 12, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And I will bless and, and I will bless you and I will make your name great and uh, thou shalt be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you, and in, and in these all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families shall be blessed. But he told him something. You can't take everybody with you. So if you're going to go somewhere, sometimes it's not that they're bad people. It's just that they can't go on the journey with you. See, in order for me to have been married, I not only needed to get married and say yes to Joanne. The moment we were engaged, I, I no longer started acting single. God, I thought I'd get an amen. Like a big, a, amen. You get an amen from me, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah. Yeah, you know what it's like. 
Well, when you when you do that, I mean, when, when you do that, and you all, you're not single anymore, you don't go and talk like you're single. You don't flirt. Amen. You're engaged. You're dating. So you don't kiss other girls. You don't kiss other boys. Kissing is upstairs shopping for downstairs merchandise. Now come over here. So you don't do that. You got quiet and you're staring at me. Like you don't know what I'm talking about. So, so, so I have to start acting like I'm married. Then we got engaged. Didn't change. I'm engaged. Amen. You know that I'm, I'm 66 years old. I've never been in a club. I don't have no idea what clubs look like. I've never been in a bar. Because when I was 21, I was saved. So I never, I never, I've never been in a bar. I've never been in a club. I have, I have, so when people say we go clubbing or whatever term they use, I don't know what that means. I have, I have no idea what they mean by that because I've never been in a club. I've never been in a bar. I don't, I've, uh, I've, I don't know. I have no idea what whiskey tastes like because I never had it. I have no idea what vodka tastes like. I never had it. I never, I don't have any clue. See, when I got saved, I, I got saved. And so anything that didn't apply to my salvation, I had nothing to do with it. Amen. So therefore, Joanne never had to be concerned about where, where, am, where is he? And, she, and so sometimes pastor would call me and say, hey, I need some help. And Joanne would say, go with pastor. And sometimes there would be uh, wives that would get mad at their husbands for serving in the ministry. She'd say, would you rather have them in a bar? Would you rather have them running the streets or hanging out on the corner? Where would you rather have them? With pastor? Or unless your pastor's at the bar, then, then you don't want to do that. <laughs> and some pastors do do that. You know, they have sipping saints. And so, uh, so with this, he made, he made the statement unto here. He said, so this is covenant relationship. So, so he's dealing with the fact, God just told him, I'm going to bless the whole earth. The whole world is going to be blessed in you. But you can't take everybody with you. It doesn't mean they're bad people. You just can't take them with you. Now, if you know they're bad, obviously... You can't go with me. All right. Now, Psalm 119, verse 63 makes a statement. Let's look at this. Psalm 119, verse 63. It makes a statement in regards to our relationship. We're developing a family and, and friends and their relationships. So this is important. So uh, today, our, uh, many people, especially children, they'll make the statement. Um, uh, Joel did that several, several times. I say, where are you going? He goes with some friends. Well, who are they? You don't know them. Oh, well then. And so he would say, and me telling you their name doesn't mean you know them. I said, well, then bring them over here before you leave. Because I want to know who you're going with. Amen. So it's important that you understand that. 
And, and they'll try to pull stuff on you. Brent woke up one time and I was praying and reading. And he goes, Dad, you look really tired. You should go to bed. <laughs> and so I, so I looked at him. He had never told me that before. Major clue. So he, he said, Dad, you should go to bed. You look real tired. Put your Bible down. You've been studying a lot. Go to bed. I go, okay, thank you, son. I appreciate you taking an interest in me. And so I go, I, I, I'll take that into consideration. He went back to bed. He goes back to you. Oh, Dad, you're still studying? Dad, it's so late. You should get ready to, you really, you know, you should go to bed. So I, I said, okay. So I turned the light off and I sat there. And Brent comes walking back through that room. That was, we lived in another city and we walked out and he was, you know, he was a, a we were, no, we weren't going to park. We were in Norwalk. Norwalk. This is, this is way back. And so, uh, um, so, so, uh, in order to go out the back door, he had to go through the room I was sitting in. So I was sitting there. So, so this is why he wanted me. He was going out the back sliding door and he went to open the door and I go, uh, so where are you going? He goes, uh, I was, I heard some noise. I go, yeah. So I opened up, so, so I, I opened up, you know, so I, I opened up, I opened up the sliding door and I go, and he had a really good friend named Ricky. And so I opened up the sliding door, Ricky, I know you're on the other side of the fence. He, and he didn't say, he, he, I couldn't see him. He just goes, uh, yes, Mr. Aragon, I'm here. And I said, yeah, I know. Ricky, go home. He's not coming out. Okay, Mr. Aragon. And he, I hear the bushes. I hear the bushes. And I hear him running home. I go, Brent, go back to bed. He goes, how do you know? I said, because I was you. I did this. I did this. See, so in church as a pastor, I know you. I did this. I, was, I sat in the pew. I was an usher. I did work the children's department. Joanne and I both worked the children's department. We both did the accounting. Uh, we both at one time led praise and worship for special meetings. Because we couldn't get anybody to help. So we did it. We showed, we showed evangelistic films. We went on our own. You guys have a team. You called Ruckus. We were the only ones that called, caused a ruckus. It was just her and me. We'd go get our print, print our, and we'd Xerox. We'd have to mimeograph, roll them out. And, and roll, we'd, how many remember those? Okay, go to a museum. You have to, you have to roll them out like this. And, and then you'd, you'd print them. And then Joanne and I were by ourselves walking the streets, passing flyers, inviting them to the church. When we were at the church that we went to, we had 90 people at the church that we attended. Uh, by the time our pastor resigned, we had over 300 members. And it was because we started the evangelistic group. And it started like nothing. It was just us showing movies. We would rent the video. We never turned a receipt in. We paid ourselves. And back then, it was a reel-to-reel. You put it in the center, and a projector came across. And if the film came off, you had to hold up a minute. Joanne had to go sing while I'm fixing it. And then put the thing back on. And that's what we had to do. We did, we did that. Why? Because we loved our pastor. Because we loved people. 
And we had an opportunity to slap a lot of people, but we never took it. Because people say, I don't like that film you showed. Well, don't show up. You didn't pay for it. You didn't help. You didn't do anything. It's too loud. Well, plug your ears up or go sit outside or go do something. I mean, they found complaints, but we were winning the lost. We were helping. I was, I was the one who, I was the janitor. I was the gardener. I did all that. And I did it for the congregation. I smiled every time they walked in the door. Sometimes in here, not in here, but here. I'm like, hit you. I love you, but I want to hit you. Because they wouldn't help. They wouldn't help. We did. So I know, I know you. I've been there. I've been there. What I never wanted to do is go back to drugs. What I never wanted to do is backslide. I never backslid. I never backslid. I've had a lot of opportunities. Never wanted to. Never wanted to. A lot of times wanted to resign from pastoring and sit in the back of a church like a lot of people do. And just I'll just sit there. Nobody will know me. I'll just go to a church where nobody knows me and I'll just sit down. And just sit. And then I knew me. You quit what you do, but you can't quit who you are. So, watch this. Psalm 119, verse 16. Says, I am... Confession of faith. I am. This is what he said. I'm a companion of all them that fear you and of them that keep your precepts. Wow, isn't that wild? Now, now this is important that we understand this. This is why, listen to your pastor uh, very closely because I believe this statement. Uh, a minister of the gospel by the name of A.W. Tozer made this statement. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. If all you do is preach half the gospel, you, you don't have a Christian. If you don't preach any of the gospel and just give testimonies and stories, you have, no God, you have no Christian. You have to preach the whole Bible. And the Bible is love, it's mercy, it's also correction. Amen? It also brings about some things. You just can't float around. You can't be spiritual vagabonds. Amen? You're not the potting of the Lord, you're the planting of the Lord. And when you're the plants... Uh, of the Lord. When you're the plant of the Lord, I've used this illustration many times. When we lived in the Cresta and we had this tree in the background and in our backyard, it was such a big tree. And, uh, and, uh, and it, it was humongous. This tree was massive. And so, but I knew that, that I could not cut it down. At least but not by myself and I knew I needed somebody. So uh, I went and I asked the uh, ranger from where we, where we were at because we lived out, out, and, uh, out, out and there was a ranger station. There. So I said, can I cut this tree down? I had a picture of it. He was oh, absolutely not. I said, why? And he goes, because that tree predates Columbus. And it is safe. You can't. I said, but the, le- the, the limbs are falling. He said, so? And so he came out and they brought somebody out and they checked and they go, the tree's dying. I go, oh, how much long does it have? I mean, we knew they say it's dying and do you see? Now, when I'm talking about uh, a limb would fall, I'm not talking about, you know, this. No, I'm talking about a limb that probably could have taken half the house down. It fell, it felt like an earthquake. John said, we had an earthquake. It wasn't. The, The limb broke off came through and fell out. And the limb from the tree probably went, probably went from that wall all the way to where the, the, the thing is. And, and then it, was, it stood probably about 15 foot high in all the tree. All the, 
They had to cut that. They had to bring somebody in to cut that whole thing down. And I said, tell the guy, how much longer does it have to live? He goes, 250 to 350 years. <laughs> it, it predates Columbus and the thing's going to live longer than me. Columbus came, left. Somebody else came and left. I mean, uh, who knows? And that tree's going to be there. It's dying 300, 200 to 300 years later it's going to die. Before it just all goes over. Within a while. Okay, so you may have a challenge, but you're going to outlive your challenge. You're going to outlive it. Because if you're the planting of the Lord, the difference is most Christians, not in this room at all, but there are some people that are the potting of the Lord. You can slide a pot over. You can move a pot from one room to the other. You can take the, the, the plastic out of it, move the pot if it dies because you don't water it, and put another pot in there, make it look real. We live we know, on the property that I'm talking about, the tree. I got tired of all the, 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 the everything dying. I went and bought all top-notch plastic flowers. Gutted the front, and I put plastic flowers all through the front of the house, all by my barn, all through the front around the waterfall that we had, everything. And it, though those things were beautiful during the summer, every season. And people would come by, and they'd look at that. How does he, what is he using to keep these flowers looking so beautiful? Because they were fake. And they would, people would stop over and they would say, how, how is it that, that you, what are you using? What kind of, what, what kind of fertilizer? Who, who, how do you keep these alive? And I said, well, uh, they're fake. They go, what? I go, they're all fake. I got tired of planting and planting and planting. So I just thought I'd just pay enough and just plant and just, that's it. Walk away. And you know what it does? Keeps bugs out too. Because bugs aren't, they know it's fake. I ain't going over there. Guy rip, ripping us off. I fly all the way over here. What? This thing's fake. I can't eat off of this. Worms can't eat off of it. Rats can't eat off of it. No. What is that? They couldn't do that. I did that specifically for that. There's some people that put on fake smiles. They know one verse and, hey, I'm... And they act big and tall. And so, so we've got to realize that when, they, when he did this. So nothing less than the whole gospel. If you really want to grow, you need the whole gospel. That also means you need correction. It means you need instruction. It means you need help. The Bible just specifically says this. In John's gospel, chapter 4, mentions about a woman that came to a well. And Jesus ministered to the woman, and she ran back to the town, and she told, Look, come see the man who told me everything about myself. By that time, the disciples come back, and they went and got food, brought it back. They brought burritos. They had carne asada, and burritos with rice and beans, and they all came back. His name was Jesus. Come on, what do you think about it? So he came back, and so they came back, and they came, and when they did that, he wasn't hungry. And they said, well, you haven't eaten. And here's what he said. I have meat to eat you do not of. He hadn't eaten. His meat, he says, is to do the will of God. So the real meat is doing the will of God. So when you hear people say, I really want meat, what they're basically saying is, I'm not active. 
they're exposing themselves by that definition. The real meat is the action, the doing part. The activity in the gospel. Of what you know to do, you're actually doing it to such a degree you're satisfied. You're content because you're actually living the truth out. You're walking your righteousness out. You're walking by faith. You're seeing results out of your own personal life. So that when you come to church, you're not bored. Amen. I told you, what, what we, I think I wrote it down in my notes. You don't need a friend to make you happy. But you definitely don't need a friend that always makes you sad. If somebody's always taking from you, taxing you, and draining you, that's not the kind of friend you want. However, you don't look for people to make you happy. Because if you don't love you already, you'll hurt somebody. Now, uh, so, not, now, now think about this for just a moment. Uh, and I made this statement the other, other day. If 100 religious people uh, uh, came together in, into unity because of an organized program, most would call this the church. So, you get 100 people that come together over an organized program. However, it would, be, it would just be like saying the church is like 11 dead men on a football team. You can dress them up, put them in, a, put them in, the, in, in the gear, helmet, and everything else. But if they're dead, see, religion's dead. So some people like to have programs. I want to be a part of that program. I want to be a part of that program. I want to be a part of that program. Why don't we put on Christ and then walk in love and programs are birthed out of our passion Amen. instead of forcing programs to be. Man, when, Joanne and I, when Joanne and I got married, our pastor's wife played the piano. So I wanted Joanne to play piano because pastor's wives play piano. So I had Joanne take piano lessons. She was a wonderful woman and a wonderful wife, and she wanted to make her husband happy, so she took piano lessons. Have you ever seen her play piano? Have you ever heard her play piano? Because she never learned how to play piano, even though she had lessons. She didn't want it. She hated the piano to her, personally. She was doing it for me. She wasn't doing it as an Lord. She just wanted, if, if this is what it takes to be a pastor's wife. So finally I sat down with her. I said, the only thing you, are, you need to do is be my wife. You're not the wife to the congregation. See, if, if anybody's going to leave, it's going to be everybody else before her. I'm a oneness preacher. One. One God, one Father, one Son, one Holy Ghost, one wife, one family, born out of one relationship. Amen? So, so she's, she, listen, she's not married to you, so she's not the church wife. Amen? Where Joanne's supposed to do everything. She didn't have to do anything. Well, I thought every wife, pastor's wife is supposed to have a woman's ministry. Who told you that? Who, who told you that? Were well, you supposed to have all these programs? Who told you that? Do you know that nowhere in Scripture can you find, other than the fact that his children came to Jesus, that Jesus said, okay, disciples, I want you to start a children's program. And I want you to write some, somebody to document everything, put it together, and let's get some toys out here and let's do all this. No, no, no. Everybody was together. Isn't that powerful that when Jesus spoke, the children were present and uh, everybody could hear? 
and children were running across the, throwing rocks at each other. Jesus didn't accidentally have to dodge rocks. Was, what's going on? You know? Well, it's little Zach over there throwing a little Malachi, uh, and they're throwing rocks at each other. They, they never did that. Children were uh, disciplined. So when they heard, they sat and listened. See, most parents, they don't. Here, here's, here's a device. Just listen to that. And that's how they sit. Here's a device. They're not listening. They're not educating. They're not talking to them. They don't talk. They don't look in their eyes and talk to them. I'm, uh, this is awesome. It's important. Now, watch this. It's important that our family and friends know who we are. Do your friends know who you are? Do your friends know who you are? Do they know what you believe? Do your friends know what you believe? Uh, do they understand your belief system? See, if, if, you, if you like somebody, you're going to date them, you better, the first thing you got to tell them is, I'm a Christian. And I love Jesus Christ. I just don't love church. I love Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh, I, I, Googled, I Googled this. I don't know this because I've never been on one. Never will. But I went on, and last year, 760 brand new dating sites opened up. Last year. Dating sites. Last year. 2018. Uh, and 19. Because, you know, uh, between that time period. And it was interesting that they said that 20% of the relationships that lasted came from the sites. And they said, but they didn't give the full stats. But then they said that 60% of the relationships that lasted, lasted because they were introduced by friends. So that means somebody introduced them. So, so that means personal contact. Somebody you know said, I know somebody who would be good for you. And they're not psycho. <laughs> Their name is really them. They don't have a fake ID. They've never been in prison for multiple times, for multiple crimes. Are you with me? A real friend would say, no, 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 you don't want him to go with him. I know she's good looking. I know he's good looking. <laughs> no. I apologize. You saw them. You, you, you and I have got to realize that relationships, for, listen to me, friends can bring you to church and friends can take you out. And so uh, it's important to know who your family and friends are. You got to know that. You got, you got to know that. Joanne and I, we, you know, we're, we're strict with this. You know, she made reference of it. We're having a family reunion for her side of the family. So we already let everybody know because everybody wants to have it at our house. So, okay, we'll have it at our house. But she, we already, she didn't have to ask me, but she already knows me. So she already set the ground rules. There will be no alcohol here at all. There's no alcohol. No smoking of any kind of anything. <laughs> Front or backyard. Down by the street. In a van. Down by the river. <laughs> no. None of that. We're not doing any of that at all. We don't do that. We don't do that. Because I live in the neighborhood. They all know we're Christians. 
they all know that we're pastors. I used the illustration the other day that I made a phone call and I called American Airlines because we were planning a trip. And so when I called on the airlines and I was talking to the lady, uh, then after, and I was, and three times I told her, thank you so much for your patience. Thank you for your taking the time with me and investigating all the little, little changes I'm making here and there. Thank you. I appreciate it. When I went to hang up, she threw this in. She goes, God bless you. I'm a Christian too. Now, I never said I was a Christian. I didn't ask for a Christian airline, a Christian seat. I didn't. So, how I, well, it's in my file that I'm a pastor. So, so good thing I wasn't with a different personality stating to her, I want this seat. What's going on with you? Woman, listen to me. Woman, listen. I mean, I could have went off. Well, a lot of people do. You have no idea who knows you. You have no, no idea. I walked into Walmart the other day. Uh, a while back, I went into Walmart. I have a picture of them. They walked into Walmart. They go, hey, Pastor Hart, you're in Walmart? <laughs> and they go, and, and you're not wearing a suit. <laughs> Someone came to my house one day, years, years back. And they came and they, it was summer. It was hot. During the, it was a Saturday. It was hot. And, and uh, in that day, I'm at my house. Joanna and I are at home. And, and I knock on the door. There was a knock on the door. I open up the door. I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And the person who was at the other side of the door that knocked, op- I opened up the door and they went like this. <laughs> You're barefooted. And I said, I usually am when I don't have shoes and socks on. They go, yeah, but I've never seen you barefoot. I go, well, I'm not going to go barefooted to church. They go, and you're not in a suit. You have a t-shirt? And you're in shorts? See, people have a misconception because they think, you know, And so, but people, people don't see that sometimes I, I, I like fun. I don't swim in a suit. I have a pool. I don't go swimming. I'm going to go put my three-piece on and be like Aquaman. But people have a misconception. Here's the message translation of Psalm 119, 63. I'm a friend and a companion of all who fear you. Now listen to the next part of this. Who are committed to living by your rules. Your rules. I'm committed to living by your rules. So those are the companions I'm with. And just spend time long enough and you'll see if they live by the rules. Relationships connect you to your past or to your future. Every relationship connects you to your past or to your future. Every relationships are based on passion, pursuits, and pleasure. Passion, pursuit, and pleasure. Relationships will expose your weakness as well as your, your, your strengths. So when you engage in friendships and in, when you start to, uh, to date, I don't use the word mate in, in spousal relationships. That's just me, because I'm a word man. 
The word mate is identified in the animal kingdom. Not every animal stays with who they mate. It's procreation and then they leave. Spouses should not procreate and leave. My job's done here. I'm out of here. And so tragically today, we have so many women that are, that are without their husbands having to raise their children. And the guys are married again and again and have children and have children. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, how do you do that? How, how do you do that? For all of you that are single mothers, I salute you. I salute you. I don't know the reason and the rationale behind everything. I don't. But for those of you that bring your children to church and they're in the children's department or the teen, and you're working hard, you're, you're working a job, you're, you're doing what, and, and, and then you have to deal with your child. Man, I, it's, it was, I appreciate Joanne. I appreciate jo- Joanne. Uh, she was, a, she's an, a, has been an awesome wife as well as a mother and still is. Still is. I mean, she still buys these guys gifts and stuff. But Brent didn't get a Valentine's Day card. Not this time. He goes, hey, where's mine? He goes, ah, your side now. And so she goes, now that Elena's in the picture, she gets it and, and, Brent, and Todd still gets his. But you're out of the picture. I said, so I told him, I, we don't speak. Right? I said, hey, Todd, uh, Brent, it's okay. I didn't get anything either. So... <clears throat> But, but here, but the thing about it is, is the is the the power moments, the doing stuff, friendship, it's intimacy. So when you become a friend with somebody, you have see, I I've met a lot of people, and every picture picture that you ever see of Joanne and I showing you, we're friends with those. Now see, I knew, I I met and knew John Osteen. I've never met Joel Osteen, but I knew John Osteen before he passed with the father. But I didn't, and, I, and unfortunately, I don't have a picture with him. I wish I did, but I don't. But I never met Joel Osteen. I see him on TV, don't know who he is. Even when I met his father, I didn't know who he was. There's a lot of people that, we've, that I met. Some I met, and they're acquaintances. Just because you meet somebody, don't call them your friend. I have a new friend. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have a new friend. You met somebody. A friend is somebody that you're taking the time to invest your time with. Your quality of time. Your effort. Who you are. The value of who you are. When you let somebody into your house and you have children, you're exposing your children to them. So you must be able to endorse who they are. Because if your children hear them or see them doing something then you're endorsing that. So this is very important, who you endorse. So you've got to know that. So then if somebody knows you and you're going through something, they've got to be able to handle that. Yeah, they've got to be able to handle your weak moments as well as your strong moments. Amen. Now, last statement is this. You could be, this, is, this is very important. You could be the right person who's associated with the wrong person or people and get the same results as if you were wrong. If you become a friend and you're right, but how they live is wrong, 
you could get the same results as if you were wrong. You could, you could get into a vehicle, somebody pull up, you get into the vehicle, and then drive one mile and they get pulled over by the police and find illegal weapons in the car or illegal drugs. And since you're in the car, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be arrested with them. And it doesn't matter if you say, I was just picked up. We don't know that. We don't know that. Are, are you understanding? Well, so, so the same thing is true spiritually. If you associate with people that don't pray, you eventually won't. If you associate with people that pray, you will. If you associate with people that love the Word of God, you will love the Word of God. If you associate with people that don't love the Word of God, you won't love the Word of God. If you, if you associate with people that are addicted to Christ, the anointing, their passion is Jesus Christ, then it's going to be hard for you to, to not be passionate with Christ. It's, it's just as reason. If, if you love your pastor, then you can associate with people who love your pastor. If you don't love your pastor, if you can take him or leave him, so will others. Amen. This is important that we understand this. I always told my boys, when, you, when, I, when we get older, when you get older, you will always take care of your mother. Always take care of your mother. You will never raise your voice to your mother. Ever. Ever raise your voice to your mother. Not now or not when you're older. So sometimes when they get a little frustrated with her, they'll look at me and they go, Dad. And I know what they mean. Can you handle something here? Because we're not, we're not going to say something. But that's rare that they do that. That's very rare that they do that. And they'll, they'll because that, because she's such a wonderful woman and such a wonderful wife, and such a and she pours herself into thought about them. She thinks about them often. She's constantly text messaging them, constantly reaching out to them, constantly involved with their lives. So they don't have issues with with them. With them, I don't know if they have any with me because they don't. Like Brent said, if I'd say something to my dad, he may talk to me for three hours. I don't want to do that. I'd rather, I'd rather just not be angry. Just let it go. Dad will tell me three hours. Why? What? When? Why? Why do you feel that way? What's going on? How long has it been happening? <laughs> so, and I, I am that way. So, he, he, I was listening to a tape the other day. He goes, my dad is, is, is a great father. Always has been. But if you don't want to ask, if you don't want to spend two hours Answering the question, don't ask him one. Please, don't ask him. Remember that we were in, in, uh, in Texas, uh, where we were at? Uh, Taos, New Mexico. And all the men were there. We had a men's fellowship. And, and I was teaching, and I taught for almost three hours. The guys were hungry. The food we ate gave everybody diarrhea. And so everybody's sitting there, and I'm teaching. I don't know this. Everybody's going. <sighs> and then I go, does anybody have any questions? And so we look around and go, don't ask any questions. <laughs> you remember that, Ed? <laughs> Ed was one of them. <laughs> and then as soon as I said, all right, well, we'll meet tomorrow. I didn't even get a chance to dismiss. Everybody ran out the door. They all headed for their cabins. I mean, it was just, it was. <laughs> that was an interesting trip, wasn't it? Isn't that where you, well, never mind, we won't get into that. Uh, you should have been on the trip. It was it was a wonderful experience. 
Um, if we live in the covenant, then we will uh, be covenant-minded. Let me let me share this with you. This is if 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 you are single and you have friends, then you should be covenant-minded. And you have to ask yourself: Are you somebody I'm supposed to win to the Lord? Are you supposed? Are you somebody I'm supposed to help in the Lord, but not necessarily be close to? You got to ask yourself because I'm a covenant man, and you can check their life and, and understand where they're coming from. You got to guard yourself. You got to watch who, who's there. You got you to watch every day. I, I'm I may be too strict, but I'm okay. Joanne shared the story about her brother that was on my on our phone, landline, Princess phone, the, the little blue one, and he was he was on the phone. And what he was doing was actually. Um, cheating the government with the tax shelter, which wasn't a shelter, doing some stuff. And I walked, Joanne told me, she goes, he's on the phone making a shady deal. I walked in, grabbed the phone out of his hand, and I said, this deal's not going through, not on this phone. I hung up. Turned around, looked at him, I said, do you know that my God has supplied all my need enough to pay this bill? And you're on my phone, living in my home. You will not lie on my phone. You will not lie in this home. You will not do it. You won't do it. I'll go further than that. My dad had a situation one time, I won't get all the details, but he left my mother. And he ended up sleeping in his truck in front of my house. Joanne woke up and said, dad, your dad's outside. He's asleep in the truck. I walked outside. I said, Dad, what are you doing out here? I knew he left. My mother told me. So, and I remember leading my mother to the Lord in the in Norwalk on the little on 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 uh, on Firestone Boulevard, in the little building, and it was raining that day. And she said, "Pray that your dad come home." I said, "No, I'm going to pray that both of you get saved. Because if he if he left and and the situation going on, both of you need Christ. Mom, you need Jesus Christ." She was she got on her knees. She was then lead me to Christ. Letter to Jesus Christ. Two weeks later, we took her to a Kenneth Hagin camp meeting. There was, the, uh, he was just a few times there at the convention center. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the man, the usher, I mean, excuse me, the counselor told her this. Uh, uh, your husband left you. And he said, and, it, and tonight he's coming home before, right before midnight. And God is going to arrest him and bring him home. So we're sitting there. She's in the front seat. And uh, we had a Buick Regal at the time. She's sitting in the front. And I said, Mom, do you want to go to Denny's? She goes, no. I'm going home. I'm making your dad his favorite meal. And I'm putting on his favorite dress. I said, why? She goes, because I was told by the Spirit of God. Not a, not a counselor. The Spirit of God. That, dad, you, that, your, that my husband's coming home. She didn't say my dad. She said my husband's coming home. The guy didn't know her. So she went home. Made dinner, put her dress on, and waited for him. Yeah. 11.55, with a knock on the door. Now, what happened earlier was an angel showed up and smacked him and knocked him off his bed and threw him across the room. Angel did that. But here's the, here's the scenario. When he was outside, he came in. I said, Dad, you can stay in her home. Have a seat. Uh, come to bed. In the morning, he got up. 
Joanne would go into work. I, you know, and I, uh, so we're there, and she made breakfast. So I woke my dad up. I said, Dad, uh, um, you want breakfast? Yeah, I go, okay, I want to set some ground rules down. You're in my house. There'll be no drinking here. You're not going to get any calls from any women. Or you're not calling any women from this house. The door locks at 10 o'clock. If you're not here, you stay outside. Go back to your truck. We watch TBN. We don't watch all that other stuff. So you're going to watch what we watch. Or you don't watch TV at all. You will never yell at my wife. And my wife is not your maid and she's not your cook and she's my wife. So when we eat, this is not a restaurant. So you come and eat. If you don't want to eat, then eat it cold. I didn't kick you out of your house. You left. Now you're here. I love you. You're my dad. But now you live by my rules. This is my covenant home. Stay two days. Was I disappointed? No, I set the rules. And I set the rules to such a way, an angel intervened, God intervened, got him born again, and then he ended up calling us, and Joanne and I went, and my father let, uh, took me outside of his house and said, let me uh, accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. My whole family's born again now. But it started right there with my mother getting born again. So you got to stick to your convictions. You got to stay covenant minded because you don't know who's on the other end a year down the road. And so, so, so some of you, you look at me and you think, I never went through anything. I went through a situation where there was a broken home. I went through a situation where my dad left. I went through a situation where I could have hated him. That feeling came up. I wanted to go hunt him down. Why'd you leave mom? I wanted to. I wanted to go look for him. I'm a son. I'm a man. He taught me to be a man. And this is what you taught me. You said, men don't run. And you ran. You lied. Are you with me? And, I, and I'm a new Christian. So we go through emotions. You've got to capture them. And bring them in and do what's scripturally right to reach people. But you still got to stay committed. See, some of you are enablers. See, the Holy Ghost is your enabler. And then you've took his job and you become the enabler. And it doesn't work. It backfires. It keeps him in the flesh. When the Holy Ghost enables you, he builds you up. It takes you out of your flesh, puts you in the arena of faith, and then lets you accomplish stuff. Do you know what it takes to be a real friend? I'll tell you next service. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you. We give... If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.